What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live by the Three, a Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Give me a follow on the Instagram page at Live by the Period Number Three and on Twitter at Live by the Zero Three. I'm joined by a celebrity guest. I guess it's fair to say, you know, this is this guy is on the rise. The popularity is trending. <laughs> well, too much, too much, brother. No, none of that was true. <laughs> This is a guy that I've been in the trenches with on the basketball courts. Uh, we've very rarely been on the same team, I would say. Like, I, I, for whatever reason, it doesn't happen often. And then the one time that we do end up on the same squad, you end up tweaking your ankle. And then th- that was not a very fun day. That was, for, before you go on, that was like the first sign that like I'm getting older. Because usually like you five years ago, I tweaked my ankle. I'm like, ah, oh, let me shake this off. I keep playing. It hurt a lot more, lasted a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in I'm in the twilight years of my career, so everything is is heightened. And as soon as something feels a little off, I'm taking myself off. I'm putting myself <laughs> on the bench and I'm icing for like a week. But ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by host of the Pull Up Trey podcast, Mr. Trey Vonovich himself. Trey, what's going on, brother? I'm good. I'm doing good. Um just saw you yesterday with the with the draft party. We all had a good time. So um, we've been talking about doing this for a while. So I'm happy to join this illustrious podcast. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it has been a discussion. And finally, the stars have aligned and we we're getting it done. But before we get into the draft, you know, I got to pay some bills. So this episode has been brought to you by the Bet Stamp app. And whether you're an amateur or a professional, this is the app for you. You will be connected to tens of sports books. And you could build your same game parlay bets, check money lines across all other sports books, do your comparison, do your math, and see who's going to give you the best value. And you can unlock all these benefits of the BetStep app with my special code at LIVE3, that is L-I-V-E-3, to unlock all the benefits of the BetStep app once again. And you can find that on whatever platform you Go for your apps and always remember to gamble responsibly. Trey, you have done multiple podcasts about the draft. I've done a couple. And it seemed like we were all thinking the same thing, that the Raptors had to go in an offensive direction. And it seemed like a lot of things went right. A lot of things went in the Raptors' favor to end up at the 13th pick Grady Dick, whom I thought was going to be gone by the time the 13th pick rolled around. But I think once the Scoot Henderson to Portland went down, and especially when Bilal Koulibaly was off the board in the top eight, I think it was a game changer. But you could not have gone wrong with any pick at that point. Keontae George was still available, Kobe Bufkin. Grady Dick just seems like the perfect fit like give me your initial reactions i know you did that last night but again give me your initial reactions of the grady dick pick um for for me i i think i just tweeted it. Uh, it's probably like the most sure i've been a, with a pick since we got og very similar situation where a prospect who's generally liked around the draft community falls for whatever reason og was due to injury and i believe with grady a lot of people saw this like high floor, but didn't necessarily get the same feelings on his potential ceiling. So for me, the Raptors got the best player available and they got someone who fits with their roster. 
both in the short term with making Jakob, that Jakob Pascal front court work, or if they decide to move off of that and run more through Scotty. So I think it's a, it's a 10 out of 10 type scenario. Yeah, definitely. I think it wasn't just only best player available. It was also best fit. Like yeah. I thought, you know, Kobe Bufkin could have easily came in here and made an impact. Same with Keontae George. You, you could take your pick at that point. But I think in terms of fit, kind of coincides with the vision. You know, Vision 69 seems to be lingering a little bit. I'm not too happy about that. But it's not the stereotypical player that the Raptors normally yeah. go for. Somebody with some offensive limitations, but have tremendous athleticism and length. And like, you know, the physical intangibles. Like, this is the opposite for Grady Dick. Like, he's not a great defender, but he has the length. He has, I would say, sneaky athleticism to be competitive. Maybe not so much sneaky. Maybe sneaky. Very it's sneaky. It's not just like he moves well for a white guy. Athleticism is. <laughs> <laughs> He, he he doesn't have that explosiveness. Not not like you on the court, you know, when you're on the top of the key, bro. <laughs> but I think his strengths outweigh his weaknesses. And I and I feel and like, you know, hats off to Mac. He he said this, and it's true. I think leading up to the draft, a lot of people spend a lot of time focusing on players' weaknesses rather than focusing on their strengths and highlighting those strengths because every player is gonna have a weakness, right? So why not focus on what that player can offer you? And you touched on it. He's the best shooter in this draft. He shot around 40% at college. He's great off the ball. He is a tremendous cutter. I think I think a lot of yeah. that, especially on the weak side, I don't think that he gets enough credit for that. And, you know, at times he can finish above the rim. But he, he does some absolutely crazy reverse layups like, almost like Dwayne Wade S where he just goes up strong and then ends up on the floor almost e immediately. Like he plays, he plays hard. And I think that's something that the Raptors have kind of lacked this past season, a player that is going to give it his all every single possession. It seemed like at times, and, and, you know, there's a lot of factors that could have played into that, you know, disgruntledness, losing locker room drama, take your pick. But I think one thing about Grady is that he seems like he's going to fit in, do what he's asked to do, and it seems like that's going to be enough. Do you kind of feel the same way? No, I agree. Like anyone who's thinking that the Raptors drafted a, a, like a shooting specialist is severely wrong. He rebounds, he defends his position, and he has enough length where he also can cause havoc and create turnovers. He has really good hands. And – when I think of like the Raptors roster over the last few years, we've had very few guys that could shoot off of movement and you could run weak side actions while Pascal has the ball. That's been guys like Fred, Gary, Norm. And like the key, the key thing with those guys, they're all tiny. It's much easier to close that up. But now you're going to be able to run, say, a split action with Scotty Barnes and a 6'8 guy is coming off of the wing who can shoot the lights out. And the cool thing with Grady once he gets the ball and sees that guys are being overly aggressive, he can put the ball on the floor, two foot pull up, get to the rim, and he also is a good connect, good enough connective passer where he's going to be able to hit other guys like OG Pascal, who are who are really good play finishers. So it's it's honestly a, a perfect fit, and I wouldn't be shocked if we did a redraft that he's selected much higher than thirteen. I'm I'm curious to know what factored into that you know because he had a tremendous tournament 
He was a great second option. He didn't have to run too many plays for him while he was in college. And he just seemed to be the epitome of consistency. Yeah. And 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 just finding a way to be impactful. Like, do do you feel that there was an over overemphasis of his defense probably weakened his draft? Like I, I think with certain teams, so like you would take a team like Orlando, for example, while they do need the shooting, they probably didn't have the the pieces around to ancillate his his level of defense because while he's big and smart, he doesn't have the greatest foot speed. And with a guy like Franz and Paulo, who are who are big, long athletes, but may not be the quickest, it's going to be harder for them to support him. But on the Raptors end, they have those guys. They have an OG. They have a Fred VanVleet, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes to a lesser extent that can make him viable. And he's going to be able to guard the the worst defender on the floor with his size and be able to live and survive in lineups. I don't think he'll be picked on. Like, I think in moments, when I think of his defense, I think of how uh, Utah was able to have Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich um, on the floor and still have an elite defense because when those guys were getting a switch, they were big enough to survive in those late shot clock scenarios or they had the supporting big to funnel to, which the Raptors have a Jakobino. Yeah, I agree. And I think what's also interesting is potentially what type of defense we're going to have with Darko, right? He he yeah. said that he's going to make it a priority where you, you protect the paint, but still have that aggressiveness to chase out the corner threes. And I think that he has the size to make up, especially in the short corner. I think yeah. he has a size to make up and, and be an effective part of that defense. So I, I agree with pretty much everything that you're saying. You're pretty much running this podcast at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> On your pod recently, you uh, and with Samson and Goose, shout out yeah. Goose. Um, you mentioned that you don't anticipate this, or you're the rookie to be impactful in the first year. But with the fit and with the, the potential of what this offense can look like, it looks like he's going to be much more impactful much sooner rather than later. Do you do you kind of see that? Do you see him being an instant contributor, or do you still think? I would be shocked if he is an instant contributor. He fits a very clear need. The The Raptors have struggled with spacing the entire season. And honestly, I think by the middle of the season, he has a chance to actually start on the Raptors. He fits, like, if they're going to keep with these long, athletic, type molds, he fits within that lineup and then offers them an opportunity when Pascal is betting a defense to actually make defenses decide whether they want to pack the paint against him or leave the corners open to OG grade, who are both going to hit threes at a high 30 to 40% clip is going to create real problems for, for teams and the amount of movement that we've seen with Darko that where it's going to be a lot more opportunities for guys to get easy looks and score off of cutting um, easy play finishes simply because they have the, the actual shooting now to, to make people move off of the ball. Whereas last season, one of the highest isolation teams and everybody's staring at the person that has the ball because there is no actual fear of outside shooting. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Now you're going to have to respect the Raptors' ability to shoot the basketball. I don't think you're going to see that much teams going to be going zone right off the bat as soon as the game starts anymore because they have these players that are coming back, like a great dick. You know, Otto Porter Jr., 
toe seems healthy. He seems healthy. So <laughs> he might be able oh. to contribute on that side of the ball, right? Plus, we got Gary, potential Fred. It seemed like the Raptors in, in one night solved one of their biggest issues by drafting Brady Dick. And I think he is going to be a contributor. I, I think that he does have the potential to start hoping and praying that everything goes well for him. And and I have no doubt. Like, I don't think I've felt as comfortable with a draft pick since probably DeMar. Like, I, I was wow. following DeMar in, in college. <laughs> like... It, it's been it's been a tough goal for me. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've been tortured. <laughs> yeah, bro, bro. You, you know, I'm, I might be aging myself, man, but my, my very first game was in the Sky Dome when it was still called, called Sky Dome uh, mm. against the Washington Bullets. And if I'm not mistaken, I do believe Chris Webber was on that team. So you guys can look that up if you want. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I've been the same. I was a miserable child. Uh, I looked back at my old Raptor tweets. The first Raptor tweet I had was in 2000, I think 10 or 11. It said the Raptors made a shitty pick and it was Terrence <laughs> Ross. <laughs> I, had to, I had to have been like 14, 15 at most. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and you know what was so annoying about that draft in particular? And, and you know, this is not a slight at, at T. Ross. I was there for his greatest game, which was the 50 piece. Uh, for the, yeah, I, I've, I've had some good games. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that another time. But that was a crazy game. But yeah. we were linked to so many other players, and it just seemed like the framework was there, and they just weren't able to get the deal done. And, and uh, that was the Paul George draft, was it not? No, it wasn't. No, Harrison, yeah, yeah. No, Harrison Barnes. Harrison yeah. Barnes was in that draft. I I do believe, but there were there were a couple of players that we were linked to. But anyways. Let's not let's stray away from the point. Yeah, I think this front office and me in particular, especially on this platform and on Twitter, you have seen I've been awfully critical of this front office about not being adaptable. I think we we're seeing a shift in the NBA where, you know, a big man is becoming more valuable, that specialists are becoming far more valuable than they once were. And it's clear that this is an offensive-minded league. And I think last season, the Raptors really missed the ship uh, on that regard. They probably didn't get the memo. Maybe they couldn't work Zoom. I don't know. But <laughs> either way, the teams, especially in our divi division, got a lot better than we did. Yeah. And it seemed like we were just sitting behind the eight ball. They've adjusted their thinking. They've made it a priority to have a culture shift. They made it a priority to focus on the weaknesses. Do you feel that this was a sneaky good draft? And we're going to touch on the additional draft, uh, undrafted player that they got. But do you feel that they've redeemed themselves and kind of reinforced this idea that they once had that they are a respectable front office? Redeem, no. Just simply because of the, the amount of resources they put into trying to make the playoffs last year. They are obviously like one of the more embarrassing losses, but um, I'm I'm very optimistic. It's one of the the first times in a while I can see like things are moving in the right direction. Um, Lewis touched on this on his pod with Samson, but it's clear the NBA is moving away from heavy isolation and going more towards movement. You saw like with Denver, even with Miami, in a sense, you're gonna need guys who can shoot role players that can get the ball and and finish and put the ball on the floor. The Raptors have none of that. 
they're a heavy isolation team. And with Darko, I think um, a big key would be watching those games that Ja Morant didn't play and the amount of movement they had with Tyus Jones to manufacture offense. It was a big reason why they won a lot of games. Um, Grady Dick is going to be able to do a lot of those things. So just a, a sign that, A, what they think of a Raptors player is different because that was a big, what Bobby said, they're going to draft the Raptors type player. Grady was the opposite of what we were expecting. So it's a clear sign that their ideas have changed and they're moving closer towards what is successful in the league. So I'm so I'm happy. Yeah, but speaking about Bobby, I take everything what that guy says with a grain of salt. I don't believe a word he says because <laughs> whatever he tells us, he's probably going to do the opposite. But what I found interesting is after the draft, it seemed like they had him on their board. Like the, it, it seemed like they they knew what they were going to do. But in typical Raptors fashion, they, you know, d- don't reveal their hands, so to speak. But I think a lot of that had to do with the way the draft unfolded. I don't think they expected him to be available at 13. I think that changed their whole game plan. They're like, oh, they crumpled it up over the shoulder. I guess we're just going to draft the best player available. But I agree. I I don't think all is forgiven. I think they still have a lot of work to do. But this is a step in the right direction. And and I'm with you. I'm I'm optimistic about what this season. I'm excited to see what this season is going to look like, especially with the new ideas, especially on the offensive end. And I think we have a running mate for Scotty going forward, which would be absolutely huge because Scotty is effective once he's able to facilitate for others. And having a running mate for the future like Grady is going to influence, I believe, Scotty in a positive way. Do you feel the same way? No, I I think so as well. Like there was that game, there was that, that entire stretch of like five or six games before we traded for Jakob, where teams were deciding we're not going to guard Scotty, he was able to grab the ball in the mid post, and the Raptors had action and moving around it as a counter, and he was creating tons of shots, and that's when he was starting to turn around their season. Um, with those type of, I want him to have more of those type of looks. They're going to need it with Darko's type of offense, and now that you have shooters off the bench, now they have Grady Dick, Otto Porter, Gary, whether or not he's he starts or is off the bench. Um, you have a, a large cast of, that can shoot now. Like the obviously the challenge will be that you still have three non-shooters in your front court, but heading into those bench lineups and mixing and matching, you I think you're gonna see a lot of positive signs of offense and especially Pascal when you have a lineup where maybe you put OG at the four and you're starting Dick. Gary, Fred Van Vliet, where you have tons of shooting around him and he's toasting the the his defender because they actually can't shell against him. Yeah, I think that's what's so exciting about what this team could potentially look like. And one of the biggest issues last season was their inability to maintain leads when the second unit was in. And, yeah. you know, Say what you want about Nick Nurse. He wasn't uh, a perfect coach, but he wasn't a terrible coach. There was absolutely no way that you could afford playing these guys 35 minutes or less or even less than 30 minutes a game and increase your chances of winning. And I and I feel that that was the focus with Nick Nurse was like, I'm going to put the best guys on here. That's going to increase our chances of winning. 
take a pick of your game. The Raptors would get a 10-point lead, and as soon as the second unit comes in, and it could just be like two guys, but because they're, they're two guys that have limited offensive ability, they're not able to maintain the lead, and then before you know it, they're, they're down 10 or they're down 15 or it ends up being a blowout and the Raptors are playing catch up for the rest of the game. But now with all the players and, and the offensive options coming off the bench now, I think you're going to see that much less once everything mm-hmm. goes well. And more importantly, if a starter is struggling now, you have offensive options that can, you know, give them a breather, have the ability to space the floor, create those open opportunities get out in transition i think we're going to see a lot more of that this season especially the transition threes so they'll be able to stay in games more often and not if their their best players are having off games yeah yeah i think i think it's an absolutely it was a great pick man <laughs> i like I, i'm a loss for words but i'm, oh, I'm excited bro like i i feel like we're gonna see a lot like um there are a couple of games against the paces the raptors are playing well have a big lead and then, like many other teams, like in today's NBA, a 10, 15 point lead can be like evaporated like that because then you, the Raptors get into that phase where they're trading threes for twos. And the Pacers came back, won the game. I believe we lost two out of three against them, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep. And it's just rough with teams against like that who have like, who are able to actually really shoot. It becomes a challenge because the Raptors are going to have to convert at an extremely high clip. And teams like you can get a moment where Zach Levine gets super hot, the game is back on the line and you lose. It's it's true, man. It's true. But we needed we needed guard depth and we didn't get a guard. But we did sign an undrafted dra- uh, draft pick in Kansas State, Marquise Noel. He's he's represented for the Short Kings out here. You know, he's gonna be representing. We needed guard depth, especially at the point guard spot. I think this is a very Raptors type player. I've been dubbing him baby Fred. Like, I think this, this is the vibe I'm getting from him. He, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. If you've been paying attention to his social media, yeah. he he's taking it personally. So I'm all for it. Despite his size, he makes up in tenaciousness. He has the speed where he could be effective, getting into the paint and creating passing opportunities for those moving off ball a much improved three-point shooter he's shooting just around or just under 36 percent if i'm not if i if i'm not mistaken uh just under 18 points he just has this dog in him i know that's probably cliche at this point but he just has that dog in him uh something that the rafters have lacked somebody coming off the bench to give them that edge that's willing to do the dirty work and it seems like marquise noel might or at least live up to some of the shortcomings that we had last season. Like, what do you think about the Noel signing? Um, I think it's a, a cool fly. Like, if anyone who saw it, March Madness, he was averaging a, a stupid number, multi, uh, two plus steals, ten plus assists, over twenty points, and he was hitting his three ball at a forty percent clip. I think with the Raptors. They haven't really had anyone that can operate a pick and roll aside from Fred at a consistent basis, which is kind of why it's been very difficult for their bench lineups to score consistently. Well, we have Malachi, though. We have Malachi, though, right? Malachi can't shoot. (laughs) It didn't work. (laughs) He can make all the reads, but, like, if you're not going to be able to shoot, it doesn't actually actually matter. 
Um, Noel is going to make the the reads, and if his three-point shooting hits at a really high clip, I think he can make the NBA. I, with Fred, he hit like the highest plateau of shooting, which made everything that he did more viable. Noel has a bit of a burst that he can get into the lane. Um, I don't believe he's going to be able to finish in the lane like how he did in March Madness, but if he offers that throw as a shooter and he's fearless enough to get into the lane, his passing and his decision-making will probably help everyone around the team and allow him, at the very least, to get a 905 shot. Oh, uh, I agree 100%. I think that he is going to struggle a little bit getting into the paint, but, you know, like we both said, I think he has the athleticism, he has that burst that, you know, he might be able to get a couple blow-bys. But I think what's great about him, and you touched on it, obviously, is how great he is in the pick-and-roll. You know, and it seems like we're going to see a lot more pick and roll. I love the idea of him being out in the open court. I think that's going to be absolutely crazy to see what he's able to do. A couple no looks there. I really hope that when he does a no look, Scotty is looking and vice versa because they both enjoy doing no looks a little bit too much for my liking. He definitely seems cut from that Fred Van Vliet mold, not just in look, but um, the way he plays, the attitude, the way he approaches the game. Um, I think he's a much better athlete than Fred was in, in college. But because Fred, he had the ability to shoot, made him a big threat, especially on the college level. And of course, when you reach the NBA, do you feel that there's an opportunity for Noel to potentially make the roster? You know, considering that Doughton would probably be his biggest competition there, but we don't know what's going on with him, right? Yeah. Do you feel like he might be able to get into the back end of the rotation? Uh, if I were to guess, I'm probably going to say no. I, I think just the Raptors have always leaned more towards size. Fred, Fred and Kyle are more outliers. But um, I think he can make the 905. Like, if he has a good summer league and then tries to, to reach a higher plane in the NBA after that, I just think with a new offense, they're going to give Malachi and Down a shot to see what they have and then potentially – um, either A, acquire a backup point guard if they don't, if that doesn't work out, or B, trade them at the deadline as they increase their value. Do you, do you feel like we should probably be looking at, at another point guard? Because we talked about it, that, that yeah. like last night's draft was like a good opportunity to get another pick, and it seemed like they waited until afterwards to find the undrafted guys. What do you think? I think I'd probably lead more veteran. Like, Washington now has like a super influx of like all the good backup point guards in the NBA. Yeah. So like if they can get Ponte Morris or why am I why am I zoning on his Delon name? Wright. Delon, Delon Wright. Wright. Yeah. <laughs> or Delon Wright. Like you're you're getting someone who can run run an offense, help out the team. And ideally you're gonna have your staggering Scotty and, and Pascal as well. So um you have a, some viability with added spacing, better playmaking, that your bench lineups aren't blowing 18 point leads consistently. Agreed. I think that there's an opportunity for the Raptors to have a much stronger second unit. I do think they'll they'll have to do some secondary moves. You still got some players that, unfortunately, I think like Boucher might have played himself out of this team. You know, being a little bit older with a manageable contract, uh, I think that they might be leaning more with Precious and look yeah. at giving him an opportunity to operate without 
Degeneration X being in full effect. I think it's ran its course. I think it was cool in the moment, but I think now the Raptors are taking things a lot more seriously and, and they really want to see what their players can offer, especially the ones that are able to put the ball on the floor and give them a, a much bigger opportunity. So um, I'm interested to see what happens there, but I, I don't think that the Raptors are done by any means of the imagination, right? No. I, if they're going to, to run him back, they probably – Obviously, need to address the the point guard situation. Like Gabe Vincent, maybe for the MLE makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Getting one of those Washington guards, and then I would probably look to find a, a legitimate backup center. I think Precious has always shown me that he's better as a four, and when his shooting hits, he's more viable in those lineups, and he can crash the glass. He can attack closeouts just like a lot of wings. I would lead more more into that and not also put pressure on Coloco to survive 20 minutes a game as our backup center, hoping that's going to, that's going to work. Like if it does, obviously that's fine. But like, I would like a, a veteran backup. He's cool. If he plays five minutes, he's cool. If he plays 20 minutes and if Coloco proves himself, he can then take over the role, but just having some sort of um, backup plan or contingency plan in line to, make sure that you aren't bleeding minutes when Jakob isn't playing because you, you kind of you kind of saw it in a, in a lot of games. When he doesn't play, the defense is still really bad. And ideally with a scheme, um, conservative scheme change, that isn't the case, but I wouldn't go into the season thinking Coloco was going to be an NBA rotation player off the bat. Yeah, I think the priority should be not overextending any of your players coming off the bench, especially the young bucks. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think Coloco, when he was drafted – that he was going to be good down the line. And I think that was always their approach is, you know, this idea of developing and winning at the same time. It hasn't been pretty. But then you look across the association, you look at teams like the Pelicans, they found the recipe to, uh, to success. And even Orlando, to a certain extent, you know, they, they, they haven't done much winning, but at least they figured out the formula much quicker than the, than the Raptors did, unfortunately. But I think that everything is there. For the Raptors, I think to put it simply, everything is there for the Raptors. They just have to figure out what direction that they're leaning into. And it, and it definitely seems like team run it back is on the table. So if that is indeed the case, you have to limit the shortcomings, especially in your second unit. You got to yeah. m- make it a point of emphasis to address the additional needs of this team. And I think getting an additional point guard, a veteran point guard coming off the bench, I think DeLon Wright has the build that still fits with the Raptors vision. And yeah, I agree. A backup center that is not Thaddeus Young is definitely a priority for the Raptors. You know what I mean? (laughs) So we focused a lot on the Raptors and there were a lot of surprises in this, in this draft. Was there another pick that you were definitely surprised at, or are you surprised that like one particular player dropped as, as far as he did? Cause there, there were a few of them. There was a lot of first round picks that ended up going in the second round. I think surprise drops. I would say Maxwell Lewis falling into the second round. I would I wasn't shocked that he like fell deeper into the twenties. I was a big fan of him. I had him around the teens, but he fell to around forty with the Lakers, which is really really surprising and a great fit for him. Phil Handy has been able to take a lot of guards, um, hone their game in, and make them really really successful. Kind of off the bat, you saw that with Reeves. You saw that um, with Rui Hachimura. Um, so I think the same thing is probably going to happen. And I really like Max Christie as well. Um, 
Tam Whitmore as well falling. With him, I could have saw late to end of Lotto. That kind of made sense to me just simply because he's a guy that's, a, a, even though this kind of rare in the NBA now, he's still kind of a tweener. He doesn't have four-man size. He doesn't have three-man um, type lateral quickness. So for a team like, say, like the Raptors, that doesn't make sense. He kind of resembles a lot of the players that they already have. But I'm excited to see him on Houston. They have mega athletes across the board with Evan Thompson, Jalen Green, um, Cam Whitmore. Like, it might not work at all, but I'm super excited. And in terms of risers, I would say Bilal Koulibaly going um, top 10 was ridiculous. I'm a huge fan. I think it's it's worth the swing. But when um, Samson and I were discussing him, he was end of first round to second round type of pick. And he jumped all the way to top 10. Right after we did that pod, it coincided with him excelling in the, his um, his league's playoffs and them going all the way to the final. So um, that was really cool to see. And probably the pick I hated the the most would be Jet Howard at 11. Like, I thought they were going to take Grady Dick. They needed the skill set, but they're lost. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I agree. Um, it, it's interesting that they have Jet Howard and Caleb Houston there. They're, they're kind of yeah. similar, right, uh, to an extent. But, yeah, no, you, you, you took the players that I was going to talk about, Maxwell Lewis, uh, Cam Whitmore. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a team that had a sn- – like. A, in my opinion, a very good draft. Like they are stacked with bucket getters. The Utah Jazz getting Taylor Hendricks at nine, Keontae George at 16, which I think is a steal. And then Bryce Sensabaugh at 28. Like they had Hoopers. A tre- right. Just straight Hoopers. They had a tremendous first round. I think one of their issues were the offensive limitations. Like once. Uh, marketing went down or, or is out and Jordan Clarkson they were kind of searching really deep for buckets and I think they've addressed that and I'm excited to see what they're they're going to look like I'm I'm not going to commit to the idea of watching a lot of Utah Jazz basketball be, just because <laughs> of the time difference if I'm going to stay up that late I might as well watch like the Warriors or like the Kings at that point all three of those guys can be instant contributors for them especially you know, seeing that they're kind of in that rebuilding phase, like they blew up that team and almost immediately stocked everything back up and that in a few years, they could have the potential to put, to be where OKC is now. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they almost made the playoffs. They, they kind of tanked themselves out of making the playoffs, to be honest. The weird thing about Utah, they're kind of hoarding like all of the, the chunky hoopers. In the league. <laughs> That's true. They, they have THT. They just got Keontae George. And now they got they got mini fridge mellow with with Bryce Sensabaugh. But um I like what I like what they did. They took swings basically. Hendricks, I think, is gonna be a star in the NBA. If his shot um translates, he's gonna be a, a stretch big who can who'll be able to provide weak side blocks, switch a little bit. Solid NBA player. Don't necessarily believe in the upside. But um if Keontae or Bryce hit, you're getting a, a serious shot maker. Someone who's going to be able to come off all the actions that Will Hardy's been creating for, say, um, Obaji, and then a serious shot maker's coming off of that now who can then create and extend the advantage and create more plays off of that. So that's super exciting. Definitely. So going back to the Raptors real quick without moving off in the draft talk, 
we saw a little bit of action going on. Gary Trent Jr. opting in. I think we all thought that this was the inevitable move, that he was going to run it back. There is still potential that there will be uh, a trade down the line. But I think for Gary and for the Raptors, it was the right move. We needed shooting. We didn't know what this team was going to look like. We didn't know what was going to happen at the draft. Uh, we've also seen Gary light it up, especially a couple seasons ago when they made the playoffs against the Sixers. Like He was our main offensive option. And to have somebody like that on your team, you, you can't afford to lose him for nothing. So I like the move. I don't think the ceiling is very high for Gary. I don't see him getting much better. I definitely see him finding ways to be more consistent and finding other ways, maybe becoming a slightly better rebounder. The the playmaking, I'm kind of out on that. He he he's just a bucket getter. Like if you want buckets, just give it to Gary type of thing. But with the idea of running it back, I don't see you doing that without Gary. And it definitely seems like they're looking to get a lot uh, a long term deal done. Things can change. What's your quick thoughts on Gary opting in? Um, I think it's a positive for the Raptors. They they needed his shooting, and I think the type of offense that Darko is going to run is while. I don't think Gary's going to get much better. I do think his his style of play can change enough where he ha- he creates more production. Like the Raptors, um, Goose actually pointed this out. Um, the Raptors didn't run enough handoffs for Gary. Him statistically, he does very very well with them. He's added things to his finishing bag. He has a little bit of a runner. He can finish in the lane a lot better than he was previously. I wish that would translate into transition. But um, if he sticks to a lot of the foundational things he was doing in the first 30 games, hopefully better defense, like we saw probably two years ago, less aggressive, less gambling, being able to put the ball on the floor, hit a two-foot jumper, hit a runner, finish when you have an open layup, and then come off of handoffs and be able to dive and, and make plays there. I think you have a player who's could be a playoff rotation guy coming off of your bench who's valuable that can then spring into certain lineups when he's hot and hitting threes. Like teams need that in going into playoffs just because it's it's so hard to to score and get in into the paint. If you have a guy that at any night can get hot from three, you saw that with Miami, even at times with Denver it can swing a game or sometimes even swing a series. Yeah, absolutely. I think that only only good can come out of it. I, I do agree that there has to be improvements defensively. Uh, maybe not improvements because I think at times he he's able to use his physical talents to his advantage. So I think more discipline on that side of the ball would be absolutely huge. I think that less isolation for Gary will be able to maximize his his benefit because i i think that that's what really hurt gary at times especially when he was struggling you you don't want to be in isolation by yourself you know what i mean especially with such a limited bag he and he and he's not an explosive athlete so he's not beating many people it's it's pretty much between the legs maybe a side step or a step back and you know you're hoping for the best at that point with with the shot clock running down. Yeah. But I, I I do I do like Gary. I do think that he can be a great fit long term. He's clearly betting on himself like Freddie, and 
I, I imagine that he'll he'll bounce back. And I think with Darko, and I know we've said this multiple times with multiple players, but with Darko here, I think he'll be able to unlock his, Dude, his true potential. Trust. Yeah, Darko, we trust you. Darko, we trust Um, But we still have a couple pending free agents. We, we've talked we talked about it. They're running it back. Jakob, free agent. Freddie, free agent. Obviously, there's been mixed emotions on, on bringing Fred back. Uh, the price tag potentially of what he's seeking. I'm I'm interested in seeing this team at least for one more season with Jacob and Freddie potentially, even if they give him a three year deal at 30. And I'm gonna steal Samson's term. It's a little <laughs> rich, but I think that it's still manageable. That if things don't work out, you can move off of him. It's not a too big a price tag and too big a contract. And also, I think for Fred, it works out as well that he might be able to get one more big payday before he's officially out of his prime. But I think if the Raptors are going to bring him back, they need to have a point guard. There, there's no way you can have Freddie playing 35, 40 minutes at yeah. that higher price tag. You know what I mean? And yeah. also... I also think that Jakob is very important to see because we saw what happened when he got traded here. It gave us something that we've been missing, you know, uh, less predictability, a pick and roll, big man, a decent passer in the lane, all these things the Raptors can benefit from. So I guess the short question is, do you see the Raptors bringing both of them back or do you still feel that one of them, most likely Fred will be out the door? If I were to guess, Fred's definitely the likeliest. He's the best free agent guard on the market. There's several teams that could could use him. He's a plug-and-play guy. He plays defense. He hits threes at a higher clip, and that's very hard to find from your point guard. I would bring him back um, as long as the term makes sense. And I think the more concerning part is the years, just because he's had injury issues every, almost every year of his career. You could align that with the Nick Nurse era and him – being here probably does make a lot of sense, but you have to still keep that into consideration. Like if it's a three-year contract at $30 million, like I, I would I, I would sign him. And with Jakob, I don't think if you're trying to be competitive next year, you there's no option where he's not on the team and the team is still good. Like the plus minus um last year like speaks for itself. A lot of every of what they were doing offensively with the Fred and Jakob pick and roll as well as what they were doing defensively, like all hinged on him being on the floor. So I think he would need to to come back um, as well. Like if I were to guess, they bring everybody back and they make another decision at the deadline with like OG and Pascal pending and deciding on where they really want to go. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that by at least bringing those guys back for next season, it, it'll allow you to focus on what you need to do for the future at least the hope is that they're going to be a little bit more proactive fingers crossed i'm doing my best impression of spike lee like please look into the heavens <laughs> that they're going to not kick the can down the road they, they bought themselves a little bit of time i think that's that's what they were banking on and i think with or at least when the new cba kicks in that at least they'll have a better understanding i think that at least the way that I was looking at this draft or at least this off season in particular is with Pascal making it very clear that he wants to stay here, that this is the time to build 
uh, a team that's going to not only benefit you, but benefit Pascal as well. I think that he's earned it. He's worked for everything. He's grinded for everything. Most improved NBA champion, all-star, all-NBA. You know, he, he is our best player, and our best player needs to be taken care of. So I think that that should be the priority going forward. To close off the end of the podcast, what's the rest of your off-season approach? Like, you're bringing back Yak, you're bringing back Fred, and you're potentially going in for DeLon Wright. You mentioned that you wanted a ba- another backup center. The mm-hmm. only backup center that comes to mind is Nas Reed, but he's going to be coming in at, mm-hmm. at a heavy price tag, right? So it, it, if there's an opportunity where you could potentially move off of Boucher or, you know, to a lesser extent, you move you, you package him with a deal around Precious. I, I'm not too yeah. too inclined to do that, but do, do you feel like somebody like a Nas Reed with his ability to stretch out the floor can only complement what the Raptors are trying to do going forward? Yeah. Are you asking me what I think they're going to do, or are you, ask, are you asking me what I would do? Well, if I ask you what you think they're going to do, I think it's going to be a wasted question. <laughs> because we're not we, we don't know what they're thinking and we don't know what they're gonna do okay. and uh, right but what what would you do put on your I best Maasai cap and i i think what i would do personally i would bring back fred and, and Jakob and trade pascal probably to atlanta trade pascal yeah i would trade i i, I wasn't convincing enough <laughs> no no i think he's really good i i think they're sort of in a situation where they're we're in 2013 where they're kind of deciding what direction that they want to go to. Pascal is way better than Rudy Gay. I'm not, it, it's just the comparison that Rudy Gay opened up the floor for their team. They're able to get several pieces that then they're able to then flip and to do other things that help build a championship team. Um, Atlanta has a lot of young guys. Kobe Bufkin was one of the guys everybody really wanted. He, they drafted him. They have AJ Griffin, guys like that who fit what the Raptors want to do, fit what Darko wants to do as well. And they're a guy, they're a team also that's looking to win now with Trey Young, and they've been looking for a co-star for a, a really long time. the The largest reason I think, because I still want the Raptors to be competitive, I don't want them to tank. If I don't, th- are... I don't think this fan base. Sorry, I don't think this fan base can afford tanking. Like, look at what we went forty one <laughs> and forty one. You would have thought it was like a, yeah. a tanking season to begin with. Yeah, I I do agree with Masai. You can probably build for the middle if you make the right trades and are sure of your your drafting ability. But if your plan is to build an offense around Scotty, not necessarily being a primary scorer, but being the hub of the offense, similar to like a Draymond, for example, at a much higher higher level, you're going to need to open up the floor. Pascal and him share the same spaces on the floor, and with the added like presence of Jakob, who cannot shoot at all it obviously hinders what you can do offensively darko can create the the most beautiful sets possible where guys are running around if you have three guys on your team that cannot shoot and are going to play 35 minutes a game together you're not going to be able to get to a space where you contend and then also you're going to put uh, a large amount of pressure on your bench guys to shoot at a very high clip in order to score. You saw in the playing game, Gary didn't shoot very well. We didn't hit any threes aside from aside from Fred heading into like the second half. Uh, I would lead more into Scotty being that guy playing the four with Jakob, giving him that rolling big that he can feed to, also um, help him defensively, 
and open up the floor with more shooters and ideally with the package that you get from Atlanta or another team, doesn't really matter. You then use that to get your your star player down down the road. So stay competitive, build from the middle, and hoard assets to then make a trade. Because I think once you sign Pascal to that very large extension with the new CBA, it probably makes it harder for you to trade him. You know, I was hoping to argue with you. I really, really was, but you made a compelling argument. No, I think, I think for me, it, the, the issue that I struggle with is that not only am I a fan of Pascal, I, I think that he was put in a situation that he didn't expect to be. In, you know what I mean? Like after the championship run, everybody looked at him as being the number one when Kawhi's there, and I'm like, where was the indication that he was going to be a number one guy? But he did show flashes of that of that at the beginning of the season. He he wanted to be in the top five conversation, and he was definitely doing that. He even had that fifty two that fifty two piece at at MSG. It looked like he was on his way to to at least in his eye to achieve that point. And of course, the injury derailed that, and then we all know how the season unfolded. I'm not opposed to trading Pascal if you're able to maximize his value. I think that there are a lot yeah. of intriguing pieces, right? obviously, right? I'm not saying that you would give him away for nothing, but like having Kobe Bufkin, AJ Griffin, I guess Okwangu would be part of that deal. Yeah, you know Johnson I mean? either. They have like a yeah, lot of guys. They have a lot of young pieces that we could definitely benefit from. So yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to that idea, but I'll pose this question to you. And we all know the the redundancy with this team, especially with Pascal, Scotty, and Jakob. But let's say that Pascal is able to recapture his shooting from three, especially in the corner, like he did in 2019. He's able to hit two threes a game. Do you do you still feel that the Raptors can find success with him and not trade him, or do you feel that if he's able to still to recapture that form, that it only boosts his trade value and we can maximize the assets in return? <laughs> like I think I ideally if you can make the lineup work and he's I think it's not even a matter of the three-point percentage. It's uh a matter of what you can run offensively. Because Pascal, even when he was shooting threes, it was um above the break in transition, corner threes. If you don't have guys that can shoot off of movement, the defense isn't going to guard you when you're creating these sets and trying to actually manipulate the defense because corner threes the league has caught up to and are have had a much easier time cutting them off defenses are crafted now to stop corner threes stop um layups at the rim and that's what most teams do in the playoffs so for for me personally i i think you would like with scotty or pasco i have no problem leading into to pasco if you find a uh, a guard or a wing that can provide enough shooting. Cause I think Pascal is a top 20 player in the league. I thought like Portland really should have looked into getting him. I thought him and Dame could win a title together. I think him and Trey young could do a lot of good things on, on in the East just because he's really good. But um, the way that him and Scotty play, I don't think is actually tenable because they try to get to the same spaces on the court. And even if Pascal spaces out, you're reducing his effectiveness on the court. Even if he shoots at like that season, he was shooting at like a average clip in the, in the NBA, which isn't necessarily someone that's you're scared of shooting the ball. Yeah. I, I think that it's definitely going to be challenging to keep all of them together. And in, 
I, I really feel like in this context, we're really missing Nick Nurse for for his. He did not have a chance to turn Jakob Pertl into that three-point shooter that he alluded to in the presser. <laughs> I think that if Jakob was able to shoot the three, that no, I'm just I'm just bugging. I'm just bugging. But no, I, I think realistically, the redundancy has forced this front office to really look at what this team is gonna look like. And especially like we touched on with the NBA being in the middle of this shift, being you can almost say almost having it a pro- making it a priority nowadays to have those dynamic players that can create not only in transition but in isolation in the half court move without off ball like there has to be less predictability and this team has been as predictable as they come and you can talk about the roster construction i think that if you want to be competitive and it's clear that this front office wants to be competitive you can't have any options off the table. I know they're all for team running it back. And that's why I've said I'm okay with seeing it for one more season. But if history somehow repeats itself, you have to take a, a very realistic look of what this team looks like, how it's built, especially what your future is going to look like. Cause I still think that Scotty Barnes is going to be a superstar. I think a lot of things have to go right in order for that to happen, but at least the potential is there. I think more with Pascal, he is what he is. And I can kind of see like, that's why you want to potentially move off of him. But I, I, I w- I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I will be a little, little heartbroken if he gets traded. <laughs> yeah. It would suck because no Raptors hit the 10 year mark and he's someone that wants to be a, a Raptor lifer. And like the, I, I don't blame him. I think the moves that the Raptors have made and the roster, they tried to, the theory that they tried to go with for two or three years, like has led them into having to potentially move him. Fair point, man. I can't, I can't dispute it, bro. I can't. I, I I really can't. Like, this is one of the few times I'm actually stumped and I really can't argue because it really makes sense. And it's no fault to say that. I, I just hate that we have this stigma still that's still lingering potentially that every player that wants to stay here, we either yeah. trade them or or we let them walk. Like, I, it's just so annoying to have that. And, and, and to happen to Pascal, too, yeah. you know. It, it's it's rough. It's rough to accept. <laughs> the, the last the last guy that, that didn't want to leave, we traded him, and it worked out really well. So, yeah, I, I think you can't argue with that, and I think that's a good place to leave it off, brother. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for all those tuning in, listeners new and old. I hope you enjoyed this one, uh, Trey. I really admire the work that you continue to do, brother. The pods are are very entertaining. It's always a vibe whether we're podcasting or we're on the court or even partying like we did last night, it's just great to, to not only see your growth, but to share a space with you in the Raptors Twitterverse and this Raptors <laughs> podcasting world. <laughs> um, no, no uh, please let the people know what you, what you got cooking, brother. Um, our podcast will be at summer league. We're going to do a few interviews. I hopefully, um have some content out from from that um just thank you for for having me on the pod we've been trying to do this for for a while and it's been it 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 was 10 times better than i thought it was gonna be and i thought it was gonna be amazing 
<laughs> well, I can't argue with that, brother. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that Summer League content. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that I'll be able to pull it off and, and be there with you guys. Uh, fingers crossed. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, folks, if you have not done so already, please check out the Pull Up Trade podcast. They're very entertaining. They don't only talk Raptors. They talk Jays. They talk life. They, they fit in a little bit of everything. And they also, Samson and, and Trey also cracking each other, which is very entertaining. But folks, subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to this podcast if you have not done so already. I'm across multiple platforms. Subscribe, rate, and review. It'll mean so much if you take the time to do so. And until the next episode, everyone, please continue to stay healthy and stay safe. Good people. Peace.